0: Well, as we have been moving our way through the summer and um, reading passages from the book of Revelation, we have come to the final letter uh, to the seven churches. Um, So please, if you have a chance to open your view Bible, or if you are like me and have it as an app on your phone, however you want to view it, we're in Revelation 3, starting with verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, give us ears to hear, hearts to know, and minds to understand your word for us this day. So it was almost exactly three years ago, September 25, 2015, when I first heard the musical Hamilton. Uh, I had read about it several uh, months before it. A review of it had appeared in Entertainment Weekly. um, And that was when it was still at the public theater before it had gone to Broadway and really exploded. And I'd been following its progress. So I knew the day that the musical was being released on iTunes and I downloaded it right away. And that evening, it was a Sunday evening, um, I stood with Annika and Nikki in our kitchen and for over two hours standing in the kitchen, we listened to the whole thing. And the themes of Hamilton really come down to the basis of character. What are you willing to do for what you believe? Now, both Hamilton and Burr stand together in their belief in the American Revolution against the British, but they differ very strongly on how the war should be fought and then later how the new country should be governed. And this dichotomy is placed front and center in the show's second song, which depicts how the two men meet. Burr says to Hamilton, let me offer you some free advice. Talk less, smile more. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. If you wanna get ahead, Fools who run their mouths off wind up dead. And immediately you can hear the disappointment in Hamilton's voice at these words. He thought he had found a true kindred spirit in this man. But by the end of the song, his reply to Burr is very, very clear. If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? Now, in Hamilton's actual writings, he said that the reason he supported Jefferson's presidency over Burr's, even though he really didn't like either one of them, was that he believed that Jefferson stood for the Constitution, but that Burr would change his mind based on whatever suited him politically in the moment. And this sort of polarity between what is right for me and what is right has truly existed since the dawn of civilization. And it's at the heart of this letter to the church in Laodicea that we encounter today. Now, we have spent the summer up until now looking at these very specific letters that were prophesized uh, to John from the Holy Spirit. And we've encountered churches that were floundering and churches that were fulfilling their mission And today we encounter a church that's doing neither one. Laodicea is a very wealthy city, which had very significant implications for the church there. This city was known as a banking center. It had significant clothing manufacturing, and it was the location of a medical school that had discovered Phyregean powder, which was used to make eye salves of the day. So when the Spirit is calling out to the church, saying that they are poor, they are blind, and they are naked, there is very specific shade being thrown at this church. To compare, it would be like someone saying to Seattle, Your coffee is bitter, your planes can't fly, and your software is full of bugs. So perhaps, though, the greatest evidence of this opulence in Laodicea is that they were hit by an earthquake around 60 Common Era. But they were able to rebuild their whole city without a loan from Imperial Rome. Now, last week we heard Danny talking about the profound implication of the earthquakes in the region and the dependence upon Rome that those caused. But this community was so economically flushed that they could stand as a city that truly needed no one. Not Rome. And as we'll learn, maybe not even God. The Spirit says to them, I wish you were either cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now this is also a very specific call-out for Laodicea. See, they had a lot of money, but they did not have access to fresh water. Their water source came down from the hot mineral springs in the mountains through the aqueduct. And by the time that water traveled from the hot springs to Laodicea, it was literally lukewarm. And they were a city situated furthest from the Mediterranean Sea and the river that flowed between them and Philadelphia. So their water was tepid, and because it was mineral water, didn't taste very good. So they're being told by the spirit, I wish you were either a fresh, cool drink or a healing hot spring, but instead you're an unflavored LaCroix that's been sitting out all day that no one wants to drink. Okay, so we definitely know what the spirit thinks of them, but why? The admonition in scripture is that God is speaking and loudly knocking at their door, but they have stopped listening. They've created a feast, but stopped inviting Jesus to the table. The letter to Laodicea is both an admonition and a plea. You've become so comfortable You have forgotten that I charged you to bring comfort to those who don't have it. Now, there's a sculpture at the University of Toronto, and it's of a homeless man that is sleeping on a park bench. He's completely wrapped in a blanket with only the feet exposed. And if you look closely at the feet, you see holes through the tops. And this depiction of a homeless Jesus has been, um, well, originated in the University of Toronto, has been copied, and it now exists in several American cities. But wherever it goes in, it stirs controversy. The Christian community and society as a whole now has to question, what would we do if we encountered Jesus today? And the reaction to the statue often brings comments like it's demeaning to Christ or it just creeps him out. See, like Laodicea, we want our Jesus to be loving but socially acceptable. Generous, but really only to those who you know, deserve it. Kind, but unyielding When it comes to our perceived concepts of sin. And American Christianity in particular has spent generations creating a comfortable social power and privilege. So much so that we're now deeply reluctant to get rid of it. Even as it threatens our own existence. Every Christian denomination in the U.S. is in practical and financial trouble. Our churches are shrinking, our budgets are getting tighter, and in many corners our reputation as Christians has been damaged. But perhaps the good news of our passage today is that our current state is really not too dissimilar. From our ancient sister churches. We were all meant to be followers of the way, but we can only follow if we are listening to what Jesus is calling us to do. In our gospel passage today, Jesus says unequivocally that anyone who listens is part of his flock. And in our current age, The cries of the incarcerated, the disenfranchised, the interned, the separated, the hungry, the oppressed call out to us daily in the news. We know that Jesus taught us to love God and to love one another. We know that God has tasked us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. We know that God has never, ever called us to comfortable, tepidity. So if we don't stand for the gospel of Christ, what will we fall for? Uh, in the book that both Danny and I have been using throughout this series, is written by a Benedictine priest, Father Harrington summarizes this intention to all of the churches when he writes: "There's an incompatibility between a wholehearted following of Christ and the standards of a world unenlightened by the gospel. The danger remains that Christians can settle too readily." for a reasonable approach. The genuine prophet will speak a message of comfort based on the faithfulness of God, but it will never be a comfortable message. The prophecy of revelation to all these churches culminated in this message to Laodicea is not a comfortable message. It's Jesus calling out loudly. I'm right here. I'm ready to be invited into your lives, your church, your community. I'm calling. But you're not listening. You're not meant to be comfortable. You're meant to change lives. Please pray.